everybody, and welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. Got back last night late from Raleigh, North Carolina. We were down there playing Hopscotch Festival. It was a lot of fun. It was a very, very long drive, and I'm a little fatigued today. Got a chance to see Old Man Gloom and hang out with my old friend Aaron Turner and see those guys. Got a chance to see my good friend Dave Witte. Always good times hanging out with Dave. And um, he let us uh, stay at his place in Richmond on Thursday night on the way down to the festival. We've got John Dayhart from Fight Amp coming up next. But before we do that, got to give a couple plugs. If you love coffee, Savage Gold Coffee is for you. Go to savagegoldcoffeecompany.com and uh, check it out. You can join the club. If you feel like you need to have a pound of coffee... At every given moment of your life, you can join the Savage Gold Coffee Alliance and just go to the website, sign up, and I'll send you as much coffee as you need. Also, we have some affiliate sponsors, uh, Datsusara, great hemp equipment bags, t-shirts, shorts, jujitsu geese, Onnit, great supplements, awesome food, exercise equipment, all those kinds of things to get you yoked. Nature Box, healthy snacks, delivered to you on a monthly basis. Here we go. Okay, so Fight Amp. You guys have been around for a bunch of years, and originally you guys started, you originally located in South Jersey, and you moved to Philly, right? Yeah. All right, so when did the band officially start? The band started... um early 2004 we we played our first show in like uh i guess january or february of 2004 so i guess we were like formed before that towards the end of 2003 and by the time we actually played our first show and had a you know a demo recorded and stuff it was you know just early months of 2004 and uh you, yeah, you guys are sort of coming from a unique direction, and uh, you know, I, I reckon I've, I've known about you guys, you know, basically since uh, the beginning of the band. I mean, I've started hearing about Fight Amp like around 2005, somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you guys were definitely playing in the sort of DIY like hardcore scene, um, but your your music, the the sound of the band, uh, was definitely not consistent with what you would think of as like a hardcore or punk. So what were the influences in the band? Like where, where, what were you guys listening to, to start playing music like that? Um, well, when we first started out, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of like tragedy and his heroes gone. And from ashes rise, they were like, a a big catalyst for, for us starting out. I mean, I think like, Early on, we were, you know, aping tragedy and stuff and from Ashes Rise pretty hard. But, you know, I guess we kind of evolved, like, past that pretty fast where we started, like, letting our more, like, traditional influences that we grew up on kind of peek through or, like, some of the noise rock stuff that we're kind of known for now started, you know, kind of showing itself a little bit. And we, we always had that element where we weren't just playing, like, D-beat all the time and that wasn't, like, the the main goal for us so we kind of like always had these like i guess these like you know different kind of comparisons we get where we get traditionally compared like hardcore and like punk and stuff like that but then people say well there's you know some elements of the melvins here or stuff like that and you know 
as time went on, we started just like evolving more to the point now where we don't really like have many DV parts or anything at all. Like, but I mean, in the beginning, it was really, I mean, the our full name fight amputation is kind of borrowed from in part from his hero's gone song, uh, voluntary amputation. So those like uh, those those hardcore punk bands were were a big big jumping off point for us. It seems like uh, the late '90s there was a a big cross pollination with like punk and hardcore with other styles of music. Uh, you know, so a lot a lot of the bands that I was really into back in the you know late '90s were like Dead Guy, Kiss a Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they were taking you know Unsane, Today Is the Day, and mixing it with punk, you know, Black yeah. Flag inf- influenced sort of music. And Fight Amp is always sort of I, I kind of like thought of you guys in a similar sense that you were taking like you know, like a traditional form of punk and just kind of twisting it with, you know, you know, obviously you guys listen to like Jesus Lizard and like Unsane and that kind of stuff too, so. Right. Yeah, yeah I mean, Dead Guy, you know, is, is a great example. And I think also like, um, you know, regionally for us, like a lot of the noise punk that was like popular in our area kind of had a big uh, influence on that twisting. I mean, you think of bands like Ink and Dagger and stuff like that. Yeah. Towards like you could like the hardcore kids had time for them, but they were still like weirdos, you know. Like the, so, it wasn't just like I don't know. It seemed to have this like genre kind of uh, distortion going on, and that was you know something that we grew up with. They're, they're from the Philly area, so and of course like Dead Guy and stuff being from Jersey. So like I mean you know growing up that that was definitely a big influence, and I think that's where we kind of like we kind of have that like tendency to not really you know adhere to a certain genre or anything like that because of those type of bands being, you know, kind of like this, like, uh, this, this schematic for like what we do in a, in a sense. So geographically in those early days, you're, you're in South Jersey, which is, um, you know, kind of close to Baltimore and kind of close to Philly, but yet your day to day, you're sort of isolated from those two cities. Do you think that being removed from like more of like an urban area sort of shaped the sound of the band uh yeah in a way i mean you know be, being from south jersey it is kind of like you, you don't really you're in the shadow of philly where you're not far from new york or baltimore dc like you said and uh i think like early on we kind of like you know we took this pride in like saying we're from from jersey because we you know gr- being from 15 minutes outside of Philly, you know, a lot of bands like from our area would just be like, well, we're a Philly band, we're a Philly band. And that's, I mean, you know, now we have two members that live in Philly and I'm the only one still in South Jersey, but so we are technically a Philly band. That's where we practice and stuff. But early on, we took like a lot of pride in being like, we're, we're not from Philly. We're from South Jersey. We're kind of like straddling that line of the, you know, the, the urban areas where all this stuff's going on and the sticks where it's like, you know, kind of like you said kind of removed from everything so i think it, it definitely had like an effect on on how that shaped us like trying to like eke out our own identity and in, in the shadow of a big city like philly where there's always so much going on yeah because i'm from the suburbs too man and like i i think that not being sort of saturated with uh all this like data and all these mm-hmm. influences kind of helps um you know you can kind of pick and choose the things that you want and i think that you know, I, I tend to, you know, my, my tastes are more in the suburban style of stuff. You know what I mean? It's just like, I definitely yeah. appreciate that about bands. Well, that's, I mean, we, we, I remember like, uh, you know, we used to talk about this a lot saying that like, you know, a lot of the, 
the the great stuff comes from the suburbs, not necessarily from the cities. You know, like is I don't know. It's like I guess like being from the suburbs and always having like basements and always having places to play and stuff like that. You don't have to deal with some of those same logistics that you would like growing up in a, a big city or something like that. So it's like it kind of always felt like to us that like all these great scenes and stuff were kind of birthed in the suburbs, but then kind of co-opted by their closest city. You know, if you think like the DC scene and stuff like that, it was like Northern Virginia. So it's like, I don't know, like it eventually gets associated with its closer, closest major city. But there's, I think the, the suburbs birth a lot, a lot of stuff that they don't get the credit for, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's tough doing it in the city too, man. It's like, Logi- yeah, the logistics, logistics are against you and <laughs> totally, practice, yeah. practice space rents and all that sort of stuff and transportation trying to get in and out um yeah 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 like last night actually i just got back from uh we were we were down in raleigh north carolina and uh mm-hmm. got back like super late and uh it was the same kind of deal after driving like nine or ten hours you have to deal with like you know new york city traffic at like and it's still <laughs> yeah. it's midnight but there's still people out it's like why you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm guessing you guys practice in the city and stuff too or is that like yeah um, we, have, we have rehearsal space in uh in brooklyn here and okay, uh, yeah that's that's what we do at philly and it's kind of like yeah same deal you just have those uh do those one-offs or something like that where you just kind of come back the night of and it's like yeah it's the middle of the night you still feel like you're dealing with the bullshit <laughs> like trying to get your gear in and out of the practice space and stuff yeah so um have you guys had the same lineup the whole time or have there been like some lineup changes or there there's been a good amount it's been me and mike the whole time uh our uh guitar player and then uh, kind of like this revolving door. It, it's weird because like right now we have like the longest running consistent lineup, which has been about like a little over three years. <laughs> so like when we started out, it was like, you know, going back to like, you know, playing those kind of like DB and like hardcore punk stuff. We had like, you know, two guitar players, a front person, and we were trying to like, you know, just our demo was as a five piece. Our first seven inch was as a five piece. And then uh, after going through a couple of second guitar players, we just, uh, well, first we went through a couple of, like, vocalists. And then really early on, like, within, like, the first year or two, it was just, like, not working out for one reason or the other to where me and Mike decided, like, well, why don't we just do vocals ourselves? That's, like, you know, something we weren't used to doing. It was, like, something totally new for us, but we also knew what we were going for. We knew, like, the vision that we had for everything. So it just felt like, you know, it might be easier to kind of deal with that learning curve and, and just do it on our own. And then after, like, going through a couple of second guitar players, like, well, you know, we talk about, we would entertain the idea of doing it as a three-piece until finally, like, after going through, three different second guitar players we were like well let's just do a three p three pca goes and you know after kind of recrafting some of the songs and stuff to fit that better uh we we ended up really liking it and then uh dan is our third drummer so we've had like a pretty uh pretty consistent you know consistent and it's inconsistency type of lineup so it's uh, but it's nice now. I mean, I think that the chemistry we have now and everything with with me, Mike, and Dan is has been great, and it's definitely the, the happiest we've ever been, as far as you know, me and Mike go. 
Yeah, it's good, man. It's I, I'm I'm definitely uh, not a stranger to being in a band. A lot of lineup changes. Um, yeah, right. I, you uh, definitely know where we're coming from. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, there's there's exciting aspects to it, and there's kind of like pain in the ass aspects to it. As I'm sure you know, you know, trying to work new people in and like you know, gel with personalities and stuff like that. But then at the same time, there's a certain amount of excitement that comes with like a new, a new kind of chemistry or a new you know new new like lineup and stuff like that like new personalities bringing something new to the table it's kind of you know gives it a little bit more spontaneity or unexpectedness so it's yeah i always find it's when the new drummer scenario arises that uh that is like the most sort of stressful part of the band um Mm -hmm. you know i mean have you ever been in a position where you don't have a drummer for a period of time and you're trying to find someone or have those transitions always been more or less, you know, seamless. We've, it's, it's been pretty seamless. Like in, in the way that like, we've never had to like scramble, you know, I feel like everything that's happened happened at a time where like it could happen, you know, it wasn't like, you know, a month before recording or something like that. So it's, it's, and you know, it was like our first drummer, it wasn't like on good terms. It kind of like, it was, it was pretty ugly. But, you know, we, we also had a friend, like, uh, you know, who knew our songs, like, kind of stepping in and just be able to, like, you know, it wasn't like some stranger coming into the band. So we had a, like, pretty smooth transition considering there. And then when he was, uh, our second drummer was no, no longer able to do it, it was still, like, we're all friends and everything. So he's like, well, I'll help work Dan, our current drummer, in and teach him the songs that we have. And that was, like... That was during the writing process of the album before our last one, uh, uh, Birth Control. It came out in 2012. So, like, half of that was written with one drummer, and then the other half was, like, written with Dan. So it was, like, a matter of, like, you know, it was, it was all during the process of, like, you know, trying to, to write songs and stuff. So it wasn't, like, this last-minute thing. So it actually, you know, having, like, a drummer who's, like, I'll show him the songs and what I'm doing here and then he can kind of like run with it on his own and you know having that happen was was nice considering you know how how ugly and how you know bumpy that can be potentially so luckily you know normally when we go through like a lineup change or something like that it's it's all you know normally on good terms i can think of only that one time with our original drummer that kind of like wasn't a good thing (laughs) yeah so but yeah i mean you know how it goes like doing this having this kind of relationship with people and stuff like that like being in a band it can you know it can be really tricky so i think we've been pretty lucky in in that sense of having like you know smooth transitions yeah it's almost like everyone assumes that whenever a member leaves that there's some sort of drama or like bad blood or whatever you know and yeah <laughs> it's kind of funny. Nah, it hasn't really yeah it's not this not, i mean I, i'm it there's that potential for that i'm sure and like i know i know that's that's happened time and again and like countless amount of times the countless amount of bands but yeah a lot of it just can just be like you know hey i got this other thing going on in my life right now and you know just the heads it's almost like kind of turning in your two weeks essentially at a job or something like Got this thing on the horizon, uh, can't do this anymore, but any help you need making this smooth for you guys. Now, I think, and then the, the fact that, like, we've always, like, we've, we've always had, like, our band members uh, were previously friends or previously bandmates from other bands, or it's, like, all really incestuous, so it wasn't, like, 
you know, you, no strangers coming on board or anything like that. So it's kind of like we at least had an idea of what to expect from, you know, a new member or something. So, you know, we, we've been pretty good about like keeping it in the family, so to speak. Yeah. So how, how many releases do you guys have out at this point? Well, <clears throat> I guess like constantly off would count as, you know, four proper albums, LPs, if you will, even though constantly off is a pretty short running album, we still, you know, named it and consider it to be like, you know, one of the, the four albums we did. But then other than that, I, I actually, I haven't done the count. But I think it was like, you know, it's, it's like 13 or something like that, considering like splits and stuff. You know, we've done like, we've done a bunch of seven inches and we did a, a split 12 inch with Calvin Walt City and Ladder Devils and, uh, you know, just a lot, a lot of splits. Like, I mean, that's the thing we didn't like, we started in 2004, but we didn't release our first LP until 2008. So before that we did like a seven inch EP on our own. Then we did a couple of splits and, uh, actually like three splits before that. So we had like four, like technically like four releases before our first LP. And then in between that, we've, we've continued doing that. It's always been like, I wouldn't say like a totally conscious decision, but it just always winds up that we have like all this stuff happening in between our like bigger releases where we're always doing like we're doing what we're doing with this reptilian thing coming up is just always having a couple songs to like put on a seven inch or something like that. So it's, yeah, I think that I haven't like done a complete tally, but I think someone mentioned it was like 13 or something releases <laughs> count everything. So pretty good amount, I guess. Have all the LPs been with it? It was a translation loss, I think. Has been, you've been doing yeah, the those, first right? three were with translation loss. Um, and then, like, uh, you know, as far as, like, the CD digital versions went. And then uh, Brutal Panda, who did Constantly Off, actually, actually did the vinyl versions of our first two albums. So we were kind of innate. We were introduced to them by translation loss. So uh, we've been actually doing stuff with them for for a good amount of time too but yeah translation loss um we they're from the, they're from the philly area drew was you probably know played in a band uh called balboa that we played with a couple times around philly like west philly like basements and stuff like that so you know he was just like they were like the first people to kind of approach us um right before we were about to release our or go in to record our first full length so they're like basically the first people to hit us up and we've never been like the kind of band to search out like labels and stuff, especially at that point. Um, so we were kind of just like either going to self release it or, or have like one of the labels that we did like a seven inch or something with release. it. we really didn't know what we were going to do. Um, but we were, we were going in to record anyway. Phil Coke from Kylesa, uh, was producing, you know, produces first two records so we had all this stuff going on and, and Drew hit us up and was like, I really, you know, I want to do a record with you guys. And then it just turned into like when we went to sign with them, it was like we ended up signing for three records and did that. And then like that, you know, that kind of like was a, a big change for us because that first, the first record we did in 2008, I, I got like a huge amount of attention. Uh, Translation Loss like did a great job with it. And it, it was just kind of a matter of luck. I don't think like, nearly as many people would have known about it if it wasn't for them like you know offering to release it basically so they were they were definitely a big help in 
and getting our names out like further further out than just the regional like east coast stuff that we were doing at the time and actually getting us a bunch of press and stuff like that so it was a it was a good experience but we you know we finished out the three records with them and you know we did this this one with brutal panda we just did uh and you know kind of right now just seeing what happens next but you know i guess like technically we're not like signed or anything anymore yeah you know these days that's almost a in a way, sometimes a better position because now there's all kinds of like ways to hang on to um, your your digital and license like vinyl to different people and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it is. It's a it's a different thing for sure, and something that like you know that we basically like learned like that's that was like one of, one of the things that we we thought would be a benefit of like doing this this record we just did uh, constantly off just owning it all ourselves and paying for the recording ourselves. And then, you know, now we kind of like have control of the digital and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a slightly different approach, but yeah, in this, in this day and age, it isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can actually, you know, it, it not necessarily better. I always think labels certainly have their place and everything. So, I mean, but like, you know, it's just, it's a little different just being able to like, monitor everything on your own you know we're like handling the digital and everything so it's like you kind of get to see firsthand what's going on you know not not quite like as uh i don't know i don't know if i want to say like in the dark but just just not not so much like out of the loop i guess you would say yeah yeah i mean it's uh i mean the good thing about labels are useful for like that pr you know sort of level Mm -hmm. of things because that's something that you know, I'm sure you don't have any time to do that and or the resources and I don't have the time to do the research, you know, and resources to do PR as well as all the other stuff with the band. Yeah. You know, and that's like where the label comes in handy, you know, they definitely they're masters I, at that, you know. Yeah, and like a, advice on some certain things, like just you know, yeah, the little like nuances that you can be kind of green on. You know, it's like it's definitely like great to have, you know, someone with that experience. And being able to like help out and stuff and yeah it's 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 always great working with labels that are like good at what they do and we've been really lucky about that with translation loss and brutal panda and, and reptilian and stuff so you know it's but it yeah it's uh just a slightly different approach for us i guess doing it doing it that way so it's like god it's got its ups and downs but it's uh i guess it gets easier like these days with the you know with the way the internet works and everything the way you know not not everything is such a secret you know in the way that like stuff goes down as far as like releases and stuff so reptilian records are that's an interesting uh label they they have a lot of good stuff out over the years and of course that used to be uh that awesome record shop down in baltimore yeah yeah that's actually the reptilian was the first label to ever release something for us um, our first seven inch in 2004 was, uh, was on reptilian. Um, our sister band that started around the same time as us called gun of Om had, uh, members of a band called uh, mid iron blast shaft, which, uh, they did a, a great full length on reptilian in the, uh, the early two thousands. So we went down with them to play a show in Baltimore and Chris X from reptilian was there 
and we kind of made a joke like you should put out a split for us like uh you know us and gonna bomb you know and then, yeah after the show chris was like yeah i definitely want to do that and ever since we've been really close with them and uh yeah that that shop in baltimore was great we used to love going there and uh you know he eventually you know that unfortunately shut down and he's he kind of like there was like a lull in the the label's activity but he's uh chris has recently moved to philly and kind of had this like uh you know, I guess with a lot of stuff going on in town and everything, there's a whole lot of great like bands that are kind of up that noise rock alley in a sense that that Reptilian was like so known for releasing records by like that that style of music. Um, so he's kind of had this like uh, this kind of like revival or this new like amount of inspiration where like they're like as active as they ever ever were, if not more. Yeah, there's a ton of cool releases like Vaz, um, you know, Easy Action, Cutthroat's Nine. Yeah, yeah, Heroin uh, Sheets, Heroin uh, Page Sheets. 99, Mannequin. Yep. I mean, there's so many great records on that label. Um, yeah, yeah. Nick from uh, the Waywards band, that band Multicult. Multicult, yeah, yeah. That's actually uh, the bass player, Rebecca, used to play guitar in, in Fight Amp. So, yeah, yeah. We, good friends with them for a while um but yeah multi-cult's amazing and they're going to do a, a full length of reptilian soon and they've they've done stuff with them in the past and yeah it's just i mean they got just this great uh this great catalog and there's that amrep connection too you know like there's some when amrep was kind of like slowing down a bit like chris was there picking up some of his bands like the heroin cheeks and stuff and releasing stuff for them and there's yeah there's there's that association that kind of like fits right into what we do so yeah it's it's really cool yeah amrep was like my label of choice back in like 1995 through <laughs> you know whatever man like 2000 or something oh uh, yeah there's so many yeah. great records on that label it was yeah. almost like you could just buy whatever came out and you, know, <laughs> you knew you'd sort of be into it you know, like, you would trust that it would be good, yeah, or, or at least something you would, you know, be in a direction of what you were looking for. <laughs> yeah, and there was yeah. also uh, those compilations, uh, Dope Guns and Fucking Compilations. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so awesome. It's so cool that they're doing that again, too. I, I don't know how many, you know, they did that last one, um, I guess it was like earlier, like a year ago or something like that, and I don't know if, I don't know if he plans on continuing that, but it was it was cool to see you know, see that AMREP documentary come out and see him, like, kind of start to, like, pick up speed a little bit again. So, wait, Tub, AMREP is putting out, uh, they put out another Dope Guns and Fucking? Yeah, yeah, Volume 13. Oh, damn. It came out, like, uh, well, I guess it was, like, uh, I, I want to say almost a year ago, maybe not even. Um, Big Business uh, was on it, um, Whores. Um, oh, cool forget who else but yeah it's uh yeah i think i think they only did it in cd form i don't know or maybe they did like a very limited vinyl like seven inch run of it or something like that and then cd is the one that's like more available because i think like now that like when they do like you know amrep does like a melvin seven inch or a helmet one or something it's like super limited as far as the vinyl goes and it usually goes pretty fast and then you know i guess they got it digitally or, or cd or whatever but yeah dope guns and fucking Volume 13 was, like, out this year, basically. I gotta, I gotta check that out, because that's probably... I have, like, I think pretty much all of them in my collection in some, really? in oh, some so, form, man. Either 7 inches that, or collections or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, they had the 12-inch collections or the original 7-inch forms. And, like, 
that was like what was cool about them too is because that even expanded that label's association where like you know you'd have bands like super chunk and stuff where they weren't necessarily like an amrap band but they would they would do that you know those compilations and that association was kind of made you know there's a lot a lot more bands are actually than were on that amrap roster participating in that which was i thought really awesome i i, I love those those recordings and then there were like some bands that the only record i only recording i ever heard by them were on one of those yeah yeah there was a lot yeah a lot of i guess i yeah i mean i guess i can't really like for me personally I, i'm not sure if i like know many cosmic slakers records but i know there are songs from you know there's compilations and stuff and there, yeah there's definitely bands like that like you know that don't know if they ever did anything else besides that it's yeah pretty interesting yeah, I think Cosmic Psychos actually had a couple of LPs out on Amrep. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay, maybe that's just my yeah my limited knowledge of them or whatever. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, there's I mean, so I guess like before that they did like there was like twelve volumes of it or whatever. So you got to think each one had four bands on it. There was probably just like so many like short lived bands and stuff that might not have done anything really, you know, besides those. It's, Damn, man, I miss uh, all that stuff because that's um. You know, we were talking about Amrep doing it, but also there was other. There was a place called Jabberjaw in um in L.A. that was like a coffee like venue type place, and they put out like a a an you know discography too, or not a discography, but like a a compilation featuring a bunch of bands that you know were within like that '90s noise rock vibe, you know. And there's like um, stuff like that yeah. going on all the t all the time. A lot of different iterations of these like compilations are coming out, and that was like such a great yeah. way of finding out about new stuff. New stuff, you know. I'm I'm not familiar with the Jabberjaw one. I definitely have to check those out. I, I mean, I definitely the the sub pop one is one that immediately comes to mind. You know, the single series, um, which you know, I guess that was another one that had like these loose associations, with, like unseen and stuff doing doing you weren't necessarily a sub pop band but we're taking part in those those single series and stuff and yeah that, i mean it's that's such a cool idea and that's i mean reptilian now that that seven inch that we're doing with them is part of a called a keystone noise series where chris wanted to do a seven inch series of of bands you know noise rock bands or punk bands or whatever from the philly area um so it's kind of like in that same that same vein of like just doing a collection of you know these releases coming out quickly like you know every couple months or so and uh, having it like showcase a certain style or whatever a certain region um but yeah i mean i guess you don't see it all that much anymore in that in that regard like it's kind of like the idea that you just like subscribe to this series we're doing and just trust that what we're going to release is going to be something you want to hear <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like records, vinyl has become such a, um, you know, very specific kind of, like, thing these days, too. You know, it's like not, like, you talk to, like, the regular dude out there, you grab someone off the street and be like, records, and they're like, w what's that? You know, they don't even know what the hell, they don't even think they're made anymore, really. Right, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> why are you it, listening to it on there? <laughs> yeah, they just, like, Spotify or whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. Their, their, their experience <laughs> is like a different experience but yeah so that's the that's the thing that's fucked up i think i mean back then it was like records were like 
records and CDs, like everyone bought them. You know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe in the '90s, records weren't as big as CDs, but people still purchased a lot of records. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think. Like when I first started, you know, going to shows in like the, you know, the the mid to late '90s, um, you know, when I first discovered like hardcore and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, like at that time, CDs were like the main way of listening to music for most people you know it's the main format but you know i think if you come from the hardcore and punk scenes and stuff like that vinyl collecting is like always a thing and if you're like playing in a band having your stuff released on vinyl is always like a big thing or at least was for me anyway and i, I feel like most people in our scene and stuff like vinyl never really went away or, or yeah. went anywhere it was always a thing seven inches and and all that stuff was always there and then seeing the the fluctuation in popularity with with analog and vinyl overall like you know it can go up and down i think vinyl you know essentially is like hitting this like overall kind of you know popularity or this, this peak in popularity again um but if you look at like hardcore and punk and stuff like that like that the collectors were always there like there's always you know there's always that like market for vinyl within that scene yeah, one of the, one of the biggest bum outs though is like how the records. I mean, vinyls. Yeah, vinyls up and coming, kind of still there, hanging in there, maybe peaking a little bit. But it's, it's all mail order, mail order now. It's not like buying buying at shops this as much these days. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know the crate digging. I guess isn't exactly the you know the main way for people to buy stuff, which is is definitely unfortunate. Uh, I can't. I can't claim to not fall into that myself. If there's like a certain thing I want, and I have these, you know, luckily living near Philly and stuff like that, there is great record stores. But if you don't stumble across something you're looking for, it is just as easy as like going on like you know Amazon or Discogs or something like that. But then like, um, you know, I think like a lot of people were who are like discovering vinyl for the first time outside of like the underground culture, probably like, you know, for the most part is, is all they're doing is like the mail order stuff, yeah. which I think is, you know, it's, I've kind of taken half the fun away from it. You know, it's always nice to go into a used record store and stumble across something that you weren't, you know, actually like setting out to look for, you know, and just kind of uh, discovering something, like just based on the cover or something like that or going back to like AMRAP I like you know I'll look in record stores and look at the back cover and say like oh this is an AMRAP release I've never actually heard this band before but I'll check it out because I like that label a lot and you know there's there's that kind of like exploratory aspect to it that's uh, to me like a lot of the fun yeah you know there's also there's just like a certain culture around the record stores that's dying these days you know where like you know you would go out on the road or whatever and you'd stop at reptilian or Mm -hmm. armageddon record shop or you know places like that and it would be like a hangout you know it would be you get to know the guy that runs the spot you know and yeah you know there'd be something next door like a restaurant or a coffee place and it would just be like you know an hour or two of your your time Spin. Yeah, that's where you would like kill time before the show. You know, you get into town a little early, like, well, let's go to Reptilian. You know, like, yep. just kind of hang out for a bit. It's like a safe spot. <laughs> you can go to kill some time instead of like sitting in a parking lot or something. Yeah, totally. Actually do something productive. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess that is like a dime. I mean, it, it's still there, but it's, you know, I'd imagine it's fewer and far, far between than it used to be. I mean, 
you know, still still great record stores, but then you 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 know, going back to like reptilian and stuff like that, there's there's some that just they don't do the brick and mortar anymore just because it's not not doable. You know, it's just which is a shame. There's a yeah, it's it's definitely a loss culturally for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of like in, in the neighborhood I live in here in Brooklyn. There's like two record stores and you know but they're it's like they're not part of like any particular cultural vibe you know what I'm trying to say like there's Academy mm-hmm. and then there's this other place I can't remember the name of it I must have only gone in there like once or twice or whatever because there's no you know it's like it's not there's no vibe it's not like you go in there there's like black flag bars on the wall and like right. you know it wasn't born from the scene where like you can like going back to a store like Reptilian or something, you knew it was like Stu just really liked these records and wanted to start a store that was based around these types of you know bands and these genres and stuff. So yeah, you know. yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like it's less of a cultural thing and more of just like a commodity thing. I yeah, guess. there's there's more. There's like a hollowness to it, and that's yeah. that's kind of the thing I miss is like going in and the guy working there has got like you know a tragedy t-shirt on or whatever mm. and there's like you know posters for shows coming up and like yeah you know like the you know in the night side eclipse like emperor you know records and stuff you know what i mean there's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's like all that stuff's different but it all kind of makes sense though you know what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. and Definitely. like and then you have this, this like hey i just you should check out this band or like that someone that, that can play the crowd like that you know see some kids walk in like hey you know you guys should check this band out if you're looking at these records or you know just yeah more personable yeah the uh, have you ever been to um trash american style in connecticut like that's that's gone that that ended like probably about 10 years ago but no I, i've never been there no yeah it was a thriving record store mostly vinyl uh since like the early 80s and then i became really good friends with the owner um because i grew up not too far from there um and you know, I bought a lot of like the major purchases. The major, the major key bands in my musical education mostly were purchased there by mm-hmm. recommendation from Malcolm, the guy who runs the shop. I mean, he, you know, was like the a formative force in like my young life as a, a punk or whatever. You know, yeah, like you know, Venom, Celtic Frost, you know, Black Flag, Circle Jerks, and even yeah. like all the SST stuff. You know, and even, like, the more, like, subtle stuff, like, you know, getting into, uh, like, Opal and things like that at an early age. Yeah. And uh, that shit's just gone, man. And there's, there's yeah. just a fucking void there now, you know? It is, it is a shame. It's kind of like, and it's been substituted with the, you know, the information culture where you can just be like, you see a, you see a band reference and you can go immediately look it up and, and pass your own judgment. And you don't have that, like, kind of personable interaction like you know someone like hyping it up for you like you should check this out and you get to actually take it home and check it out for the first time uh yeah it's 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 definitely a shame that that is is dying or if not dying like him you know if not completely dead i guess um definitely unfortunate i think i uh i think that like when i first started like getting into bands and stuff like that and going out and like buying my own stuff like living in the suburbs like I, all I would have is like Sam Goody or something to go buy tapes at but even that was like I remember like reading like you know 
band biographies or something like that where they would name drop bands and I would like write it all down and go to Sam Goody and be like, okay, like I found Black Flag, but I can't find Flipper or I can't, you know, there was like, there's like this like search to it, you know, like this, uh, this exploration that was like, you know, kind of hit or miss and there, but it was like, I don't know, it felt like more meaningful to like do things like that to like, you know to not be able to have everything right at your fingertips. Like, I remember the first time I heard, like, the Pixies' name being mentioned, I really wanted to check them out because they were an influence on bands I liked. And I went to Sam Goody, and all that was there was Come On Pilgrim. And I brought it home. I was like, it's pretty good, but it's not really, like, hitting me like I thought I thought it would. You know, it took me, like, a year to, after that to discover, you know, Surfer Rosa. And then that, like, you know, just, oh, that's it. That's what's been missing. You know, it's like this year plus long process to, to like actually get a band you know there wasn't that instant gratification or that instant dismissal that we have nowadays where you can just like you know within seconds you know find exactly what, what you want yeah you can just download a band's entire you know discography from like itunes now yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. Cool. it's cool that that's legal and like you know bands are theoretically getting paid but still it's you know, you know, there's no mystery anymore. You know, it's like the hunt is like part of part of the whole process. You know, right? And like, or that, like, you know, like seeing a record cover looks cool. I'm like, I don't know what this band sounds like, but the record cover looks cool. May I'll check it out. Or like, yeah. now it's like you can just like pull up your phone and make this snap judgment, or like, you know, or also have that judgment be influenced by what other people are saying, or like with the, I don't know what the reviews say or stuff like that it's like you ever uh you ever check out uh your flesh magazine what is it it's called your flesh nah oh man it was like one of the best zines ever it was like thick too man it was like substantial amount of like material in there and it was pretty much catering to like that amrap touch and go you know sort of vibe you know discord right Uh, i think it at the last issue was like probably early 2000s, you know, like oh, okay. 2003 or four, but all through the nineties, I would read that every month. And, um, when I, when I lived in Boston for a number of years and I worked at uh, Newberry comics, like in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. So I was able to grab things like immediately. Like I knew when everything came out, like all the zines and all of the records and everything, the day they came out, I would, if the things that I wanted, I would just grab them. So I, I was like, I have like a couple of years worth of issues of every, one of those magazines and they that's awesome <laughs> there would be ad, you know ads for everything and and um that's how i found out about a lot of shit too just by reading zines and that's like another lost like mm-hmm. art too is the zine yeah yeah it is it's uh you know there's there's good and bad aspects but the the purest in me kind of hates that that culture is gone yeah that, like you know yeah just just having the the labels like put ads in the zines and you know the interviews and stuff like that that would kind of like entice you to check things out i remember even being like subscribed to thrasher magazine when i was younger and you would see like steel pole bathtub or today is a day you know or helmet and stuff like that mentioned there and it would like you know pique your interest and like i discovered so many bands that way and uh you know i i would think now you'd you'd pick up a issue of Thrasher or something like that, you probably wouldn't see much of that musical like cross pollination going on. It's like, you know, certain certain things like that have just fallen by the wayside naturally just because of how accessible everything is now. 
All right, man, enough of this nostalgia. Let's talk about the present, man. I'm like starting to get sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, there's the, not much uh, room in the world for us uh, traditionalists, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you just got to accept it. So this new 7-inch, is it out yet? Can people buy yeah, it? Yeah, it just came out the other day. Cool. Uh, you know, Tuesday was the official release date. Um, and it's uh, two songs from the Constantly Off uh, sessions that we recorded but didn't actually put on Constantly Off. It, they just weren't exactly, like, fitting with the flow of everything. So we, uh, you know, we, we decided to save them for this reptilian thing that we were we were going to do regardless, but we didn't know if it was, like, something we were going to record something new for, or, you know. So, but, yeah, that, that just came out. So we were... We were supposed to do a, a record release show on the day of its release with I Hate God, oh, and wow. they ended up having to cancel due to some kind of like personal thing. They, they canceled like the rest of their shows for that whole entire tour they were doing. But uh, but yeah, we're working on like an official like release show now as a you know as a as a backup for it. But you know, unfortunately, we haven't got to do like an official release show or anything for it. But yeah, it's it's out and it's available. So, where's the uh, the, the easiest place for people to pick that up? Is it would it be some um, mail order outlet? I guess the easiest place would be go go through reptilianrecords.com, their website, or they can go through uh, fightamps uh, com. We'll have links to all that stuff. Um, so I think that would be the easiest, aside from like going you know through those record stores again and and, and looking looking that way which I, I i know it'll make its its way into stores and stuff like that i just can't say you know which one's for sure but, but yeah i think the easiest the easiest way at the moment would probably just be to to go through us or the reptilian uh the label itself and uh you guys have a tour coming up too yeah we're going to do a west coast uh like week-long west coast thing with our friends cal and Walt city um, they have it's uh, early November, and their their new record um, is coming out at that time. So it'll be their like West Coast record release tour, and we'll be kind of it'll be our first time bringing uh, our you know constantly off in the the reptilian seven over that way. So it's kind of like kind of a record release tour for us as well, since it'll be the first time this year that we're on the West Coast with any of that new material. Um, so yeah, it's just going to be a a week up and down the West Coast, starting with a uh, day of the Shred Fest in uh, Los Angeles, and then just going, you know, shooting up the coast, doing like Portland, Seattle, and, uh, Olympia, and come back down and end in uh, Oakland for uh, the last show, which will be that's where Calvin Walled City is from, so it'll be like their hometown record release show. So it should be a uh, pretty awesome. Right on, man. Yeah. So, how can people, uh, you know, get in touch with you online or check out the band? You got like Facebook, websites, Twitter, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we we have uh, we have all the like social media stuff, but I mean, I think uh, just fightamp.com is kind of like the hub of all of it. You know, we we kind of keep that updated really regularly, and anything that we have going on and links to any of that stuff, like band camps or you know, band camp or. Twitter, Facebook, and all that stuff is is all right there. We kind of keep pretty simple, so fightamp.com would be the way to kind of just, you know, one stop for all that stuff, basically. Might be, I would say it's the easiest way. Cool. 
you guys have Instagram and uh, Periscope and all that stuff too. Yeah, we got Instagram. We have a Tumblr that we never update. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Instagram, we're, we're pretty regular with that stuff, you know, um, and Twitter and Facebook. Like we, we definitely, we keep up with that stuff regularly. So it's, it's, those are active. The Tumblr, you might find some posts from like 2012. <laughs> it's yeah. like the last thing we did. So I guess, uh, I don't know. I feel like Tumblr, it's hard to keep up with all that shit, you know. It's like <laughs> I feel like Tumblr is kind of like falling to the wayside, except for like miscellaneous like porno sites and stuff. I think right, right, yeah. Tumblr. I never really understood it. Like I tried to like you know, I was like, it's cool. It's kind of like a blog, so you can do like more long form things. But it's one of those things that never like I was never able to like latch onto with it. Like never figure out like how to like really reach people. You know, it's still like. A dismal amount of followers, I guess, and just like you know, updated as an afterthought. It just didn't click. Yeah. In the same way, where like I, you know, as as much as like we've resisted social media in one sense or the other over the years, there's things like Instagram where I actually think it's pretty cool. You actually, you know, you at least have to offer up like something semi-artistic, you know, to like yeah. to your post. It's not just this like sounding board. So I mean, they all they're all like have their their place, I suppose, you know. Well, John, thanks a lot for taking uh, time on this Sunday, man. Appreciate it. Um, my pleasure, man. Thanks for doing it, Mike. Definitely. Uh, I've been, you know, following what you do and stuff for a while, so it's, it's definitely a pleasure. Oh, cool, man. Appreciate that. So, um, you know, good luck with the uh, with the tour that's coming up, and um, you know, the record, and hopefully, uh, you guys get your your release uh, show sorted out too, man. Yeah, we, we should be announcing that. Uh, we, we have it all like lined up and everything. It just hasn't been officially announced, so we should we should have that ready to go like this next week with an official announcement or, and whatever. So yeah, it'll it'll be coming right up. All right, man. So uh, once again, thanks a lot. All right, thank you, Mike. I'm I'm sure I'll see you soon. You got it, man. <laughs>